Have you ever asked yourself this question? What was I thinking? You uh, ate that entire container of Haagen-Dazs chocolate ice cream and you said, what was I thinking? Or you went out and bought that new flat screen TV, the one that was on sale, the one you really don't need, and you thought, oh man, what was I thinking? Or you go to work one day and you're just in a bad mood and your boss gives you a hard time and things go from one thing to another and you just shout out, I don't need this stinking job. And you say, what was I thinking? Or, or you're a parent and you just lose it and you yell at your son or your daughter and then you say to yourself, what was I thinking? Or you get this letter in the mail and it's from the Internal Revenue Service and it says amount due and you look at this and you go, oh yeah, I didn't report that income. Uh, what was I thinking? Or maybe you watch this movie on your computer that you know you shouldn't watch and you ask yourself the question, what was I thinking? Well, church, today we're going to dive into a topic that affects every single one of us. It involves something that I hope you're doing at this very minute, thinking. Because today we're going to talk about this, how your thoughts shape the direction of your life. This week I was up early and I was reading some Bible verses and one of the books that I'm reading right now is the book of Proverbs and I got to chapter 4 verse 23 and I read these words. Above all else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. Now, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? Above all else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. And I just stopped and I said, okay God, um, what is it that I need to guard my heart from today? Now, I want to ask you the same question. In light of all this happening in your life right now, what do you need to guard your heart from? Now, I know there are some common things that we need to guard our hearts from, and maybe today you need to guard your heart from fear, from anxiety, from anger, from discouragement, from doubt. Some, sometimes we have to guard our heart from this persistent temptation that keeps tripping us up. Sometimes we need to guard our hearts against pride or envy or jealousy or selfishness. There are all these things that we need to guard our hearts from. Now, why is that so important? Well, this verse says, guard your heart above all else where it determines what? The course of your life. And so the question is, okay, I get that. I should guard my heart. How do I do it? Let me give you the short answer and we'll explore the answer in the message this morning. Here's how you guard your heart. You learn how to manage your mind. You learn how to manage your mind. Your thoughts shape your life. Now, we're in a new series. It's called Begin a New What? Journey. And we're all on a journey, every single one of us. Our thoughts shape the journey. Our thoughts shape the direction that we take in this journey through life. Our thoughts shape the de destination we arrive at during this journey in our life. And so today we want to consider this question, why is it so important to manage your mind? And here's the first reason. Because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Look at this Bible verse. It's actually a different translation of the verse that, that I just mentioned. It says this, be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. 
I read a story this week that I wanted to share with you. It goes like this. At SeaWorld, our grandson absolutely refused to see the show featuring Shamu the killer whale, but he, he wouldn't tell us why. No amount of discussion could get him to change his mind. Later, when we got home, we discovered the reason for his reluctance. A relative had told him how exciting the show would be because, quote, they choose children from the audience to feed Shamu. <laughs> yeah, that could be misunderstood, right? But the things that we think determine our emotions and our behavior, and that happens in positive as well as negative ways. For example, you know, when you were a kid growing up and somebody said, hey, you're ugly, you're stupid, you'll never amount to anything. If you believe those words, that will shape how you see yourself for the rest of your life. Of course, the reverse is true. If growing up you heard words of encouragement, hey kid, you got a lot of talent, you can do it, keep going. If you heard those kinds of encouraging words that shapes how you think about yourself and those thoughts shape the direction of your life. Now here's something very important to remember. Thoughts don't have to be true to shape the direction of our lives. False beliefs can shape the direction of your life. And so what we need to do, this is our challenge, to identify false beliefs and reject them because all beliefs shape the direction of our life. Now here's another reason to manage your mind, another very important reason, because your mind is the place where you battle sin. Your mind is the place where you battle sin. How many of you faced any temptation this week? Wow, okay. Seriously, how many of you faced any temptation this week? You were tempted in so many ways. You guys, it was so subtle, you didn't even know it. Wow, that's amazing. We're gonna talk about that. But here's what we often think. Temptation's out there someplace. You know where temptation starts? Yeah, in here, and specifically in our minds. That's the battleground where, where this, this desire to do what is right, this desire to honor God meets competing desires. It's in our mind that that happens. And we see that in this verse. Now, we're going to look at some verses today that were written by Paul. We talk about Paul a lot because he wrote a lot of verses in the Bible, and he was a follower of Jesus back in the first century, and he says this in Romans chapter 7. He says, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. When you become a Christian, you get a new nature because the Holy Spirit lives in you. But he goes on to say this, but there's something else deep within me that is at war with my what? at war with my mind and wins a fight and makes me a slave to the sin within me. And Paul says this, in my mind, I wanna be God's servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. So we're gonna talk about this battle that takes place in our minds in just a couple of minutes. But let me point out another reason why it's so important to manage your mind, and it's this, because managing your mind is the key to peace. How many of you would like to experience more peace in your life? Man, I would. And here's, here's, here's the thing. An unmanaged mind leads to chaos and confusion. A managed mind leads to peace, the kind of peace that God wants us to experience. Look at this verse. Again, it's from the book of Romans written by Paul. He says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and what else? Peace. And here is one of the most Beautiful verses in the book of Isaiah. It's about peace, and it says this. You, God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So if you learn to manage your mind and fix your thoughts on God, what will you experience? 
more and more of God's peace. Now, I hope by now that you're convinced that this is really important. I hope you really want to figure out, okay, what does the Bible say about managing my mind? Well, that's what we're gonna go through next because that's a really important question. And I wanna do this, I wanna point out a strategy, a battle plan for managing your mind, but I want you to understand this. These points that I'm going to make are not suggestions. They're not merely options. This is what God says we must do to manage our mind and to win the battle for our thoughts. And here's the first, you must feed your mind with truth. You must feed your mind with truth. Now we all know the importance of nutrition. If you wanna have a healthy body, does it matter what you eat? Of course it does. If you get up every morning and eat a box of Twinkies and a six pack of Mountain Dew, you probably will have some issues at some point in your life. This is true with our minds. What we feed our minds is critically important. So the point is you must feed your mind with what? You can look at your notes, with truth. So where do you find truth? You can't go to Publix and buy it? Where do you find truth? Yeah, you guys know the answer, and it is the right answer. It's in this book that we call the Bible. Because here's the challenge. When you talk to people, they say, well, it may be true for you, but it's not true for me. Truth is relative. Truth is not absolute. We need a truth that applies to every person and every place and every generation, a truth that is absolutely true. And the only place we find that is in God's word because God's word, God's word comes from, from God. This is what Jesus said. This is Matthew 4, verse 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you might say that the Bible is really the original soul food because it's good for your soul. So how often do you need to eat this food for your soul? Check out this verse. It says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it once a week when I go to church. What does it say? All day long, todo el tiempo, all the time I'm thinking about what is true because that's what changes my life. Now, here's an important thing to consider. What do you think about when you first wake up in the morning? Typically, it's probably not the same every day, but that's important because our thoughts, our first thoughts determine the direction of our day. Somebody said one time there's two kinds of people, those who wake up and say, good morning, Lord. And people who wake up and say, good Lord's morning again. <laughs> so here, here's the thing. What difference would it make in your life if you did this? Instead of getting up and you get your coffee and you turn on the news, uh, or you check your email, or you um, go on Facebook to see what your friends are doing. Instead of going to Facebook, what if you went to God's book? What if you actually started your day thinking about things that are true. What difference would that make? There was a guy in our men's group, and he said to me, because we were talking about this, he said, Pastor Dudley, I've decided to try something, and it's just been remarkable. I get up in the morning, I read some Bible verses, and then I take one that stands out to me, and I write it on a three-by-five card, and then I think about it throughout the day, and you would not believe the difference that it is making. I said, yeah, I would. Here, here's something very interesting. This verse from Psalm 119 was written by King David and before he was a king he was hunted by the other king King Saul and his warriors they were trying to kill him and so he would run from cave to cave and he was always being hunted now just imagine how stressful it would be to go from day to day and not know if you're gonna live or you're gonna die 
And this is what he says in Psalm 119. He says this, when wicked people hide to ambush and kill me, talking about King Saul and his soldiers, when wicked people hide to ambush and kill me, I, I just can't stop worrying. What does he say? I quietly keep my mind on your decrees. When all this craziness is happening around me, I quietly think about your truth, God. So listen, when you face a crisis in your life, and maybe that's where you are today, you know, it could be a financial crisis, it could be a crisis at work, a crisis at home, it could be all kinds of things. When you face a crisis, what can you do? You can quietly keep your mind on God's truth. That's what we're being encouraged to do here. Now, if you wanna manage your mind, the first thing is to feed your mind with truth throughout the day, throughout the day. And, and church, you've heard me say this before, I wanna keep saying it, because I think it's so important. You need to learn Bible verses. You need to memorize Bible verses, because that's how you feed on God's truth throughout the day. Now here's something that I think would be helpful, just in practical terms. Um, how many of you ever need to guard your heart from anxiety? And it's a big one for me. And so I, I determined at one point in my life, okay, I'm gonna look up all the verses I can that deal with anxiety, I'm gonna write them on cards, and I'm gonna learn them. And that's what I do. When I start feeling anxious about something during the course of the day, it's like a mental timeout. Wait, wait, this is what God says. For example, Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When I remind myself that that is true, what happens to my anxiety? And this is how we manage our mind, by feeding on God's truth. And here's another thing we need to do. The second thing on your outline, you must free your mind from destructive thoughts. You must free your mind from destructive thoughts. How many of you ever talk to yourself? Now, I'm not talking about talking out loud. You may do that too. But we all talk to ourselves, don't we? I mean, we have this internal dialogue that's always going on. And sometimes we tell ourselves the truth Sometimes we tell ourselves lies. Sometimes we actually tell ourselves very destructive thoughts. So how do we free our minds from destructive thoughts? We have to understand where they come from because there is a battle going on. There are three um, fronts on which we fight this battle. And let me show you what they are. And this is from scripture. Three enemies we battle. The world's values, our sinful nature, and a real supernatural enemy who's called the devil. Goes by a lot of names in scripture, often called the devil. Now our first enemy, according to the Bible, is the world's values. And we know this, that the values of our culture, the values of our world are at odds with the values that God has, the values of his kingdom. And we see that so often. I mean, think about some of the laws in our nation that have been passed. They do not reflect biblical values the values that God holds dear. But here's what we need to realize, because we live in this country, because of the things that happen in this country, those can affect us deeply. They can shape our thinking. Now, check out this verse from 1 John. It says this, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. And then John, Jesus' best friend here on earth, writes this, these are not from the Father, they're from the world. And we have to be on the lookout for these messages from the world that contradict the values and the messages of God. 
because we're bombarded with them. And we know this. I mean, if you drive down the street, you see the billboards, you go on your computer, ads pop up. I mean, on television, in media, everywhere we look are these messages that are counter to the truth and the values of God. So that's one of the battlefronts. It's the world's value. Here's the second battlefront, our sinful nature. Our sinful nature. Now, this is something that is so important to understand. When you're born into this world, you're not a blank slate. You actually have a cardiac condition. You can't see it on an EKG. You have a heart that pulls you away from God. You're born that way. That's what the Bible tells us. King David talked about it in one of his Psalms. He said, I was conceived in sin. So before he's ever born, he's got this heart pulling him away from God. And here's what happens. As our heart pulls us away from God, we disobey God. We don't love him the way we should. We don't love people the way we should. And the Bible says, okay, your sin has separated you from God. But it even is more serious than that. Because God is just, he has to punish our sin. And the punishment is to die. And now that separation is going to continue for how long? for the rest of your journey, for the rest of your life, into eternity. That's the bad news. And it's really bad because we can't save ourselves, but there's really good news. God loves you. And I love what Jesus said about his mission in this world. He said, you know, I didn't just decide one day to come. I was sent. My Father loves you so much, he sent me into this world. And Jesus was born without a heart problem. Jesus was born with a perfect nature and because of that he perfectly obeyed his father and that qualified him to die in our place and that's what the cross is all about. Jesus lives his perfect life, allows himself to be arrested, to be beaten, to be crucified so that God can do this. God can place our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place and forgive us and the way that we receive that forgiveness is by saying, okay God, I get it. I need to admit I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for my sins and I want to follow him. And so the story goes that when Jesus dies, what happens three days later? Yeah, he's a lion of Judah. He roars back to life. And now he offers us a new life, listen carefully, by giving us a new nature. And that new nature is because the Holy Spirit now lives in us. Remember, there's one God who exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. But here's the thing. There's still a battle going on. How many of you have ever experienced this. You really want to do the right thing, but you don't. You wanna say the right thing, but different words escape from your mouth. You wanna think the right thing, but you don't. And it's a good thing everybody can't read your thoughts because you'd be so embarrassed. Does that ever happen to you? Well, it does, it happens to all of us. Why? Because there's two natures at war with each other. Or how about this? You really wanna do something that shows mercy and compassion and love, but you just don't get around to it. There is a battle in our minds, and how do you win the battle? You learn to manage your thoughts. And this is what the Bible says. This is Romans chapter 8. It says this, those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. Makes perfect sense. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, who gives us our new nature, think about things that please the Spirit. So the first enemy is what? The world's values. What's the second enemy? Our sinful nature. And the third is the devil. Now look at this verse from 1 Peter. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He's not a figment of somebody's imagination. So many people in our culture just dismiss this idea. There's no real supernatural being. Well, Jesus said there was. In fact, Jesus battled Satan before he started his public ministry. And you know what he used for ammunition? Words of scripture that he apparently had memorized. 
It says that he, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now realize this, it's really important. Satan cannot control your mind, but he can tempt you. And temptation starts with a thought. So this is what I'd like to do. I wanna explain the anatomy of temptation. Because if we understand how it works, we can battle against it. So let me just point this out. This is on your outline. The process of temptation involves four things. Desire, doubt, deception, and disobedience. Desire, doubt, deception, and disobedience. And what I'd like to do is just very briefly walk through each one of these. Now the book of James in the Bible says that temptation comes from the desires in our hearts. Now realize this, not all desires are bad. God has given us some very good desires. How many of you would like to have a friend? That's a desire that you have, that's a good desire. How many of you want to know that your, your life matters for something? That's a good desire. We have desires for food, for rest, for sex. Those are good desires. Here's the problem, when we take that desire that is good and we try to fulfill that desire in a way that displeases God, that becomes bad, and there are bad consequences that we experience. Think about it this way. Um, in one of the homes where my wife Chris and I live, we had a fireplace. Now, if the fire stays in the fireplace, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, because the fire gives you warmth and light. What happens if the fire somehow gets outside the fireplace? That's a very bad thing. It can burn your house down. Now, here's, here's, uh, here's an example of, of how that works. Think about sex. Okay, God designed sex. Sex is good. Sex is designed by God to bring joy and fulfillment and pleasure into a relationship, but God defines the relationship. He says that sex is supposed to be within the bounds of marriage between a man and a woman. But if we take it outside those boundaries that God designed, what's gonna happen? Burn our house down. And I'll tell you, as a pastor, I have seen houses catch fire. I have seen houses burn to the ground because people have decided that they know better than God. And so we have to do this. We have to free our minds of destructive thoughts so they don't destroy us. Now, the next thing that we see in this progression is doubt. And let me just give you a snapshot into how this works. Go back to the beginning of the story. Um, Book of Genesis, Garden of Eden, um, Satan comes to Eve and he's gonna tempt Eve. He says to her, hey, didn't God tell you that you, um, you couldn't eat from any of these trees? And of course, that's a lie to begin with because that's not what God said. And Eve, to her credit, tries to correct Satan and says, well, well, that's not what God said. He said we can eat from all the trees except the one in the middle, but if we eat from that tree, we will surely what? Die. What does Satan say? You won't die. So what happens with Eve? She starts doubting that what God said is true. You know, maybe God isn't telling me the truth. Maybe God's holding back on me. Maybe God doesn't really know what's best for me. And that's what happens with us. That's where doubt creeps into our minds. Maybe God's not telling me the truth in the Bible. Maybe God doesn't know what's best for me. Maybe God's not really in charge of my life. And that doubt leads us down this path to deception. And here's what happens with Eve. She takes the truth and she trades it in for a lie. She exchanges the truth for a lie. And that's what can happen to us as well because now this is what Eve believes. I won't die if I eat this fruit. How do we know that? Because there comes a point where she actually does that. That's based on what she believes and she believes it because she's been deceived. Let me see if I can 
um, illustrate it this way. How many of you have ever gone fishing? How many fishermen, fisherwomen? I brought a fishing pole with me today because I wanted to explain this in a way that's memorable. Now, this is my fishing pole. If I want to catch a fish, I got fishing line. What do I need on the end of my fishing line? A hook. All right, I got to be careful because I have a very sharp hook here. Somebody on our worship team <laughs> said something because I, I said, hey, look, don't sit on the stool because it has a fishing hook. And uh, somebody said, yeah, if you sit on that hook, you're going to be singing Shout to the Lord. Um, had to share that. Uh, anyway, so here's the hook, right? Now, if I go fishing, do I just use a hook? Why? Because fish aren't stupid, right? If you bite a hook, it's going to hurt. So this is the reality that I have to disguise because my goal is to what? I want to deceive the fish. Right? I want to get him to believe something that's not true. So what do I do? I put what on my hook? Bait. Now, when I was a kid, I used to go fishing like every day after school. And I would fish for brim. And what I would do is I would take a piece of bread and I would roll up these little bread balls and I would put it right on the tip, right, of the hook, put the hook in the water. It had a little bobber on the surface. And so you could tell when the fish were nibbling at the bait because the bobber would just move like this. And then all of a sudden it would go under the water, which meant what? They, yeah, they bit the hook and I was going to pull them out of the water, which I did with great delight. <laughs> now think about this. Temptation works just like that for us. Now let me just use an illustration, not that this has any correspondence with reality. It, it, it may for somebody. Um, let's say you work in an office and you're married and you're attracted to somebody there and you start to flirt with them. And you think to yourself, hey, this isn't going to hurt anybody. I can handle this. I can stop any time I want. What is happening to you? You are being deceived. And you don't even know it. Because Satan has this arsenal of lies, doesn't he? You know, just once won't hurt. Nobody will ever find out. And here is one of his most potent lies. You just need to do what makes you happy. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say to me, well, Pastor Dudley, I know that it's not right. I know it's not what God wants me to do, but I need to do what makes me happy. And you know what I tell that person? You are deceived. You have been deceived by the enemy, and unless you break out of that deception, you are going to just step over into disobedience. And that's what happens with Eve and with Adam, right? They step across a line. So do we, if we don't break through the deception. Now, I was thinking this week uh, of being on the receiving end of this message and thinking, man, this is really depressing. Seriously, I mean, I'm fighting this battle and man, I don't have much of a chance of winning because I got all these things arrayed against me. I've got, you know, the world's values and I've got my sinful nature and I got the supernatural enemy. How could I ever win this battle? You gotta have some really good weapons. Fortunately, God has given us some really good weapons. I want you to Check out these verses from 2 Corinthians that says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with as followers of Jesus Christ are not the weapons of the world. Now let me tell you what the two weapons are that you have to fight back with. The word of God in prayer. The word of God in prayer. And then the verse goes on to say this, on the contrary, these weapons, the word of God in prayer, have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, what's a stronghold? It's a lie that you believe. It, it, it's a lie that, that has captivated your thinking. You know, the lie that you can never change. I can't break free from this addiction. 
God doesn't care. God doesn't know. Those are strongholds that need to be demolished. And that's how the verse continues. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And notice this phrase, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How can that happen? How do I take my thoughts prisoner and make them do what Jesus says? We need to realize this, church. This is so important. When God made us, he didn't just give us a mind. He didn't just give us emotions. He gave us a will. We can choose to do things. And what we've got to do is choose to reject the lies of the enemy, the lies that we tell ourselves, and instead embrace God's truth. And we do that with God's help. We do that through the ministry of God's Holy Spirit. He gives us the desire and the ability to change and live a life that pleases him. But we have a part to play in that. And what is the first thing? We talked about it. We've got to feed our mind with what? Truth. We can choose to do that, right? What about this? We can free our minds from destructive thoughts. Another choice. Now, here's a third thing that we must do. You must focus your mind on the right things. Focus your mind on the right things. Look at this verse from the book of Philippians. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Notice that truth is at the top of the list. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, notice this next phrase, think about such things. You can choose what to focus on when it comes to your thoughts. Now, if you wanna really effectively manage your mind, let me point out real briefly three things that you can focus on. Are you ready, church? I, I really want you guys and gals to get this because I want you to learn how to live in the freedom that Jesus came to bring you. I want you to have the experience of God healing your heart and healing your mind. So this is really important. Three things to focus on. And here's the first, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Think about him. Now, consider this. When life is hard, do you ever get discouraged? One of the things that I have to guard my heart against all the time is discouragement. It is so easy to get discouraged. So what do we do? What's our strategy? Well, I have learned that one of the best ways to guard my heart from discouragement is by thinking about Jesus. Because there are times when I think, oh, my life is so hard. <laughs> and then I think about Jesus and I think, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> Your life was really hard. Um, I think about what he went through, the opposition that he faced. And I realize that Jesus went through that because he loves me. And, and that he understands every challenge, every struggle, every temptation that I experience. In fact, check out this verse from Hebrews. It says this, think, think of all the hostility he, that is Jesus, endured from sinful people, and here's the outcome. Then you won't become weary and give up. Listen, if you feel like giving up, think about Jesus. Think about the fact that he refused to give up because of his love for you and his love for the Father and that he wants you to do the same thing. Now, here's another thing that can absolutely revolutionize your thought life. Think about others. Think about others. It is so easy to get wrapped up in our own little world. Isn't that true? One of the things that, that I have to guard my heart against, and I know this is true for every single one of us, is selfishness. We have to guard our hearts against selfishness. How do we do that? By thinking about other people. 
and what's going on in their lives. Sometimes, you know, when life is hard, the whole world collapses. It's just about us. But what does the scripture say? This is from Philippians. Don't just think about your own affairs. Be interested in others too and in what they are doing. And another verse, this is from Hebrews 10. It says this, let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. When you wake up in the morning, one of the things that is really helpful is to not just think about your day. Think about the people that God has brought into your life. I mean, as you go through your house, as you encounter people in your family, think about them. Think about how you can make their life, their day a little bit easier. Think about the people at work. Think about the people in your neighborhood because reorienting your mind to think about others is such an important thing to do to guard your heart from being self-centered. One of the things that I have learned that has become an enormous strategy for me is this. I think about other Christians around the world. I think about what their lives are like. I think about the experiences that they're going through, the pain that they're enduring. And I would encourage you to make that a rhythm in your, in your week. You can go to the website. It's called persecution.com. That's a, the Voice of the Martyrs website. I remember one time I did this. You can you know, write prayer requests, um, take, you know, pray about specific people. You can also write letters to prisoners, Christians that are you know, being tortured. I wrote a letter to a pastor in Iran. And I remember going to the, the post office right here in Canyons and after I wrote that letter, I thought about that all day long. And it was a way of guarding my heart by thinking about someone else. And so church, I encourage you to do that as well. But here's the third thing that can really revolutionize our thought life. Think about Jesus, think about others, and then think about this. Think about eternity. Now at first, it's in, whoa, I'm gonna think about eternity. It's kind of tough to do. But check out this verse. It says this, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. This past week I was praying one morning, and those of you who know me well know that I don't um, cry easily. But while I was praying, I was talking to God about somebody that I love very much and thinking about the choices that they're making and Uh, the pain that's come into their lives, and it just made me really, really sad. And as I was was crying, I was reminded there's a verse in the Bible that says one day, God is gonna wipe away every tear from our eyes. One day, Jesus is gonna come back. He's gonna make all things new. And when I just take a moment and think about that, the relationships that are so broken, my heart, that is so broken, this world that is so broken, one day, Jesus is gonna heal. Jesus is gonna bring the hope that we desperately need. Things are gonna be made right. They're gonna be the way they're supposed to be. When I start thinking about that, it changes everything. And church, let me just close with with this observation. I was thinking about a song uh, to close the service today. And it's a song that I heard a number of years ago. When I first heard it, it just kind of stopped me in my tracks and I thought this is so important for believers to understand the truth of this song. It's written by a guy, his name is Mark Hall and he is the lead singer for Casting Crowns and the name of the song is Voice of Truth. How many of you know that song? Okay, a number of you do. 
what I like to do when I, you know, really connect with the song is trying to find the story behind the song. And so I did that this week, and I discovered that when Mark Hall was just a kid, he had some serious learning issues. He had dyslexia. And people told him again and again all the things he couldn't do, all the things he wouldn't be able to do because of his disability. And so he writes this song that says, but the voice of truth tells me a different story. And I also learned in, in a blog post that just a couple of years ago, um, he was diagnosed with cancer. And he's at this concert, thousands and thousands of people at the concert. He sings that song, Voice of Truth, and he said later, you know, I know that that song was intended to minister to all those people, but the person that benefited from that song the most was me. I needed to be reminded to listen to the voice of truth. And so church this morning, I just want to remind you that if you want to win the battle, if you want to reject the lies of the world and your enemy, even the lies you tell yourself, here's what we must do. We must listen and believe God's voice of truth. Now, in just a moment, we're going to play this, this video. Mark Hall is going to be singing. And I want you to do this. I want you to think about these words. And if you know the song, sing along. And thank God that he always speaks to you with the voice of truth. This boat and then under the crashing waves to step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is and is holding out his hand. But the waves are calling out my name and they laugh at me, reminding me of all the times I tried before and failed. Reminding me 
church, would you stand and pray with me this morning? God, I pray for the grace to listen and believe your voice of truth. God, I pray for the one this morning who, who maybe has never done that, never stepped across a line of faith. Lord, I pray that in their own way, in their own words, they would just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I believe you died for my sins, came back to life, and, and I want to follow you. Jesus, you always run to rescue us. You always tell us the truth. Sometimes that truth is hard to hear, but Lord, keep speaking. Keep knocking on the door of our heart and our mind. Father, help us to encourage each other to believe the truth because, Lord, that's how we move forward in this mission that you've called us to, to pursue. And God, I pray today that, that you would help us to manage our minds. God, help us to meditate on your word. God, help us to, to free our minds from these destructive thoughts. God, help us to focus on the right things, on you, on others, and on eternity. And God, as you do that, I pray that we will more and more experience your, your healing and your freedom. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Church, receive this blessing now from God's heart to yours. And now may the amazing grace of our master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God our Father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you. Amen. Thanks for being here. Go in his peace.